Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Welcome in the latest episode of the Five on the Floor podcast on the Five Reasons Sports Network. I'm Ethan Skolnick, not at the arena tonight, but watch the game as the Miami Heat beat the Cleveland Cavaliers for the second time in a week, this time to go to 10-3 and three on the season. Alex Toledo at Tropical Blanket is at the game, so he's going to join me from there. We'll talk about everything that happened tonight. But before we do, I want to tell you about one of the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network. This is a new sponsor, but you're probably very familiar with them, East Coast Public Adjusters. They want to let you know that there's only 10 months left to open your Irma claim. That's right, 10 months. So call now before it's too late. It's 855-GET-ECPA, 855-GET-ECPA. Do you have a leaky roof? Are you experiencing plumbing issues? These problems are most likely covered by your insurance policy. So don't settle for less. For a free no-obligation inspection, that's a free no-obligation inspection, Call East Coast Public Adjusters. They've been in business for 31 years since 1988. That's a good year. Why do you remember that year? That's when the Miami Heat were born as well. Here is the number again, 855-GET-ECPA, or visit their website, ecpaclaims.com. Their knowledgeable staff is standing by to answer all of your questions. And now, today's episode. Welcome to Five on the Floor a Miami Heat and NBA podcast from Ethan Skolnick with Alphonse Sydney, a.k.a. ALF954. Brought to you by the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back here with Alex Toledo. He is at the arena as we speak. I'm keeping him up late. But the Miami Heat win tonight to go to 10-3 and three on the season going into a weekend where they'll play Chicago and Philadelphia. Another home win. The Miami Heat continue to be undefeated at home and again blistering with the three-point shot. Tonight, the story, Duncan Robinson, somebody who Heat fans wanted as far away from the rotation as possible, eight three-pointers tonight. It's like every night, Alex, we're talking about another guy who came from the G League uh, who's lighting up opponents. Tonight, it was Duncan Robinson. You were there for the show. I mean – I was there in Sacramento when Mario Chalmers did something like this, but not in a half. Duncan had seven in the first half. I, I was was it didn't end up being nine overall? Am I wrong on that? It was eight or nine, right, Alex? Yep, nine overall. I think he went nine of fifteen. Nine of fifteen. So it was eight in the first half, ends up with nine. I mean, how is this happening, basically? That uh was unbelievable to watch. The entire arena was going crazy. Uh, after those first few, especially in that second quarter when he just went absolutely bonkers. It was insane. I never thought I would be saying that the arena, that the American Airlines Arena was going to go crazy over Duncan Robinson. But here we are. Uh, he was absolutely incredible tonight. I just don't even know how to explain it. He has completely found his confidence. He's found his rhythm. And there's almost no way you can bench him again once, uh, you know, you get James Johnson and Derek Jones Jr. back. And that doesn't seem like it's going to happen anytime soon because James Johnson was available out there and Spo played UD over him. So, Yeah, I thought that was one of the interesting substitutions of the night. I mean, I, I don't want to read too much into garbage time, but let's read a little into garbage time there. Uh, it was Johnson, the end of the third quarter. Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, the game was – they were up 20, right? So, yeah. I mean, they, they had a pretty comfortable lead. 
but but even so, uh, you know, it it is it's it's interesting. I mean, I, you know, Eric Spolster talked about he was going to use UD more, but I thought he might actually use UD as strange as it sounds. I thought he might use him in closer situations because it's like a trust level that he has with Adonis to get them back on track. But in, in this particular game, to not go to James Johnson, I don't think it's because he didn't want to insult James Johnson. I, I just maybe he just doesn't think he's ready to play at this point. But let's get back to Duncan here for a second because I, I think we're starting to take some of this stuff for granted. Um, the Miami Heat through the LeBron years, the four years that they had LeBron, did not develop a single player. <laughs> now, they'll argue with me on that. They'll say, yeah, we developed Norris Cole or whatever. Yeah, okay, well, Norris Cole was a late first-round pick, right? They did not develop anybody out of the G League. They brought up Mikel Gladness and Terrell Harris. Nobody panned out. And then they ended up bringing in guys like, you know, Eric Dampier and Eddie Curry and Michael Beasley and Tony Douglas. Uh, you know, this long list of Greg Oden, this long list of kind of reclamation projects, right? Because they weren't developing anybody. And sort of the reason given at the time was, well, we got to win now. You know, we've got a LeBron ready roster, you know, to win a championship we got to win now. But I've always said if they had developed two or three guys during that period of time, that could be core rotation players, then maybe the loss of Mike Miller, Joel Anthony wouldn't have hurt quite as much. And LeBron might've been happier with where they were going. Now, all of a sudden, Alex, they can't stop developing players. I mean, this has gotten ridiculous. We, we, we can't even, I mean, they basically, you know, dumped three guys in the past like six months that they had developed, right? Hassan Whiteside, Tyler Johnson, Rodney Magruder. And they've come up with six more. Um, I, I mean, we've talked about Silva. We've talked about none. Here is a draft pick, so he really doesn't count in that regard. But now they've got a guy coming in from the G League who was, I thought, unplayable at times last year, who now had nine threes. And we, we've got to raise this question. You're talking about how, well, you can't take him out of the rotation when DJJ and JJ are ready to contribute. Okay, let, we're not even talking about the rotation anymore. Can you take him out of the starting lineup, Alex? It's going to be tough, man. He's absolutely played his way into there. My take has been that when Justice comes back, it would make more sense to bring Duncan off of the bench just because I'd rather have him playing the backup three instead of, you know, Tyler Hero. Let's say if you're benching Kendrick Nunn when Winslow comes back. But uh, you're absolutely right. The fact that him and Myers are able to be out there together in the starting lineup playing against, you know, starting caliber NBA players every night. And not only are they okay and holding up fine on defense, this, the lineup with those two, with Leonard, with Duncan Robinson, as well as Jimmy, Bam, and Kendrick Nunn, has been one of the most efficient lineups in the NBA so far on both ends of the floor. So it's going to be tough to take them out of that starting lineup. Yeah, I mean, Barry Jackson had the numbers on this, right? Tonight, i got to find that tweet. But, 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 I mean, essentially, it's not just that they're one of the most efficient starting lineups. They're, like, historically efficient right now. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I, I mean they're, they're crushing teams. Now, it's a small sample size, but you start so to I have the tweet right here. Yeah, go ahead. What is what's the number? So according to Barry Jackson, that he's starting lineup of uh, Butler, Leonard, Adebayo, Robinson, Nunn has now outscored teams by 45 points, which is fifth best plus minus of NBA lineup in 99 minutes on the court together while shooting 51% from the field and 40 on threes. I mean that that's I mean it's small sample size because we're still like you know a, a smidge under 100 minutes, but uh, but it, it's not that small. Uh, I mean you're start you're starting to get a sense of it. And let's break down what that starting lineup is, okay? It's one star, right, who was at one point the number 30 overall pick in the draft. Uh, a center who was basically a throw-in. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, I, mean, I mean, you know, Portland, you know, misses Myers-Leonard. There's no question. You go on Twitter and all that. But he wasn't playing consistently. I mean, people are remembering his last playoff game. But 
I mean, they went out and got a center. No, you're 100 percent right. He got benched by by Ennis Cantor last year. He got benched by Cantor. They went out and got Nurkic the year before, right? Um, and then they went out and decided to replace him with Whiteside. I mean, the Blazers. I think he was beloved in the community there. That's clear. And on social media, okay, really liked as a human being. And I think they liked his hustle. But let's be honest, he he did not live up to his draft status. Like I no. mean, that was I mean, he should he should right he should have been a full time starter. They shouldn't have been going out and getting other centers, giving up first round picks to get Nurkic, etc. Essentially, got um, the and, guy who is everything you wanted out of Myers Leonard and Zach Collins. Right, right, okay, right. So they went out and got Collins. Now he's hurt, but they went out and got Collins too. So you're talking about four or five bigs that they used there when they already had a guy who they drafted in the top half of the first round in Myers Leonard and just didn't want to use him consistently. So that's one of the guys in this lineup. The other three guys are Kendrick Nunn, undrafted, Duncan Robinson, undrafted. Um, and then, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, and then Adebayo, obviously, who I think we all expected to make strides this year, although I, even I'm surprised at how quickly, but I, but obviously I thought he'd be really good this year and a most improved player candidate, but we're not talking about like putting Jimmy on the Philly team last year, right? Where, where you had, where you had Tobias Harris. Okay. And you, and you had, you know, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, two for, you know, two top three picks in the draft. Uh, you yep. know, you're putting him basically with G league guys, kind of a, a flamed out first rounder, and a guy who the, the Heat drafted three years ago in the middle of the first round, who who uh, you know was projected to be a role guy at best and had a bio by most people. Um, so this is remarkable, and and I, it does raise a question. And I just think the problem here, uh, these are all great problems to have, okay? But this is why you know it's interesting to talk about this stuff. The pr- the problem here is, you know, basically you went through the whole off season, and everybody's talking about how this was going to be Justice's team, right? Other than Jimmy. Justice going to take over dynamic defensively with Jimmy, but Justice wanted to be a point guard. This team has no point guard. They have no point guard. Kendrick's not, not really a point guard. I mean, Goran Dragic, you know, is, is, I mean, we've always talked about, he's more of a combo guard, um, you know, and he's obviously missed some time lately a little bit. Uh, and, and uh, Jimmy's not a point guard. He's, he's acting like a point forward, but he's not a point guard. They don't have a point guard. And so now it's like this whole idea of justice and Riley kind of signaled people to this, Alex. He kind of said, like, you know, everybody's a ball handler, right? Like, and Eric said the same thing before the season. So, I mean, what do you do with Justice? I mean, you know, the whole thing was you needed to separate Justice and Goron. And now it's like, we're going to put both on the bench? I, I don't know how, I just don't know how Eric makes these decisions. How, how do you separate that starting lineup at the same time? And on the other end, how do you say to Justice Winslow, you're, you're, not, you're not our lead guard anymore? See, so yeah, it's going to be a tough thing, but I'm surprised that you're already on on that side of the fence where you're like, yeah, they should probably bring Justice off the bench and not mess with what they have. Well, right I'm now. not. I'm 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 not, Alex. But I'm raising I'm raising the question because people are raising it. You, you have something yeah. that's been a lot of people right? raising it, man. It's been a lot of people right. raising I, it, and it makes sense. I, you know, it's like you don't want to mess well, with what they have. With success, right? Well, I, look, I'm a Justice. Oh, look, I'm a Justice fan, all right, and have been. But, but you I, and and I have concerns about bringing him off the bench because I have concerns about the fit with Goron. I have concerns about what that does with Hero. I have concerns uh, about what it does to his confidence after you've basically told him in the off season to a certain degree you're the guy. I mean, even though they they poo pooed it at first, it was clear they were making him be ostensibly the point guard of this team. And now you're going to bring him off the bench if, if you're thinking of doing that. But then I look at the starting lineup and I'm like, it's kind of a perfectly constructed lineup, right? It's, I mean, you, you have 
you have Bam's not a shooter yet. So you've got two, you know, dead eye shooters with him in Leonard and Duncan. Like you mentioned, they're able to hide those two guys defensively because they're out there with Butler and Bam the whole time. And none is a guy who can create his own shot and get it off the dribble, which allows Jimmy to kind of work his way into games. So that like, it's a perfectly constructed lineup and I can see how then you say, okay, Justice is a better all-around player than Duncan, but if we're going to put Justice back in the starting lineup, some of that spacing is gone. There's some duplication in ball handling between Jimmy and Justice. I, I just that's what to me that's what makes this a difficult decision. I'm not saying that you 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 don't start Justice. I'm just saying, you know, Justice was going to be a 35-minute a game player in my view, but how I just wonder if Eric's going to want to mess with the lineup immediately it's going to be a tough thing to monitor going forward just because justice i think would bring them to an even higher level defensively and i think i do still believe that their ceiling is based on justice being a heavy contributor on this team but you bring up a good point right with the way that the lineup is set up right now it makes perfect sense next to jimmy butler you've got jimmy and bam and then you've got shooting all around them you got kendrick nunn to help out with some of the ball handling stuff and you're not going to be able to replicate it so easily if Justice comes back in and let's say you bench none in that scenario and either you're leaving in Duncan or you're also starting Hero to have that knockdown shooter next to, you know, in between Justice and Jimmy. But if Justice isn't hitting open threes, if, if he's not hitting his spot-up threes and he's not uh, scoring consistently, we know he can be up and down both with his finishing and shooting, then that offense is going to take a dip and the starting lineup is also going to take a dip. I think it's something they have to really – not be concerned about, but something they have to worry about going forward just because it's like we talked about last show, right? You're taking away minutes from shooters when you bring Justice in. Not that I don't want him to start. I do still think he should, but it's, there's no easy answers there, right? No, there's not. And, and, you know, this is what we talked about early in the year with Dion and with JJ. Like, I mean, it almost feels like with this team right now, like if you miss a day, <laughs> they blow by you, right? Like, it, it's like it, because there are so many guys on this team that are hungry that have their own personal motivations, but it's also in a team context, which is why I liked this group so much. Everybody's got something to prove, but it's like they've sort of realized they can only prove it together. And I, you know, I'm going to get to some Jimmy stuff after the break and, and some things I've heard um, just to give everybody a sense of how much he's enjoying this. But it, it just feels like you know sometimes teams there's a chemistry to them and sometimes it has to start with winning. Okay. Chemistry doesn't lead to winning necessarily. You, you need winning creates the chemistry and then it feeds on itself, but certain teams just catch fire. They, there's just a certain feeling around a group. And I've been around some of those teams. You know, I, I look at the, you know, to take it out of, out of, out of the NBA for a second, you know, the Dolphins team in 2008 that I covered with Chad Pennington, it just had a, it just had a different feel to it than other Dolphin teams. They were not a great team. They kept winning these close games, unlike this Heat team. But, like, they ended up at 11-5, and five and there just was, like, a certain magic where you felt like every game somebody else was going to make a play for them at the right time. Um, and I, I just feel like that's where we are with this Heat team. Like, somebody different leads them in scoring every night. They've got seven guys in double figures now. They've gotten past this whole Dion JJ issue where it's like nobody even remembers they're on the team. I mean, it's it's just it's become this inc- sort of incredible mix. And again, I'm I'm fascinated by the way they put this together because you know they're basically doing this by winning at the margins. But what I've said repeatedly, and I tweeted this tonight, 
NBA teams all have the same salary cap space. It's a socialist league in that regard. You win in the NBA on the margins. You win with scouting, coaching, and development. And it's like they have aced all of those things over the past 12 months. And, and it's just – so it's really interesting to watch. But Alex, that, that's the thing with Justice. You know, I know Heat fans are going to jump on it and say they're playing so well without him. I think they can get to a higher level with Justice. But I think that there's going to be growing pains there as they do, and particularly the fit that you've talked about a lot with him and Jimmy offensively. And so I think it's going to look clunky at times. And then Heat fans are going to be like, well, it looked better with Duncan. I, I think that's kind of where we're headed, even though I think ultimately if they're going to really compete for the East this year, which I think is reasonable, justice is going to have to be a big part of that. Oh, absolutely. Because especially when you're just talking about the matchups, right? Like if they go up against Philly in the playoffs, good luck matching up against them without justice there as a starting point guard, right? And even the same thing with the Bucks. I would say. I, I would – like uh. Ohio ready for some quick mental health facts let's go nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition in the US more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide so why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at BeatTheStigma.org. Uh, somebody big matching up against Bledsoe, but also to help out with the Giannis matchup, which is, they're going to need all the help with, right? And, you know, the Bucks are a team that runs around Giannis in the paint and then Middleton and shooters outside of that. Like, you're going to need as many guys who are lengthy and good at rotating and recovering and contesting threes, and Justice is one of those for sure. So, yeah, it's going to be – tough going forward. And by the way, to your point on their development program in recent years, the Heat could have really used some of these guys when the big three was still happening, like you said, right? Like they could have mm. really used Tyler, a Magruder, a Hassan, a Duncan Robinson, even a Chris Silva. Like how did all of this happen post big three? How did they not get one guy who could stick? I mean, now they've got so many guys who are just contributing to rotation and putting all these other guys into basically oblivion who they paid. Yeah, well, well, there, there are reasons for this. I mean, you asked the question. It's not a rhetorical question, actually. There, there's a legitimate answer to this. Why did it not happen during the Big Three era? They didn't put the energy into it. And why did they not put the energy into it? It's the same thing that people in Cleveland told me when I went up and covered LeBron there. You don't have time to develop the guys when you have LeBron James. You have the best player in the world at that point, right? So you, you don't have time. It, it's easier to say, okay – can we turn Greg Oden into what he used to be? Can we turn Eddie Curry into what he used to be? Can we get eight useful minutes out of Roni Turioff or Eric Dampier? Okay. Can Tony Douglas make a couple threes for us? Because there's been some track record, right? It's, it's too difficult when you're playing with, and this is one of the fascinating differences between LeBron and Jimmy, which I'll get into, but like, it's too difficult when you have LeBron James to kind of wait for a guy to show you something or to wait for a guy to show LeBron something, frankly. And so that's, that's the problem. The other part of this is um, Eric Spolster changed the whole organization in my view. All right. I mean, I, they, they went to a development culture. Okay. I, I'm using the word Alex, but they went to a development culture under Eric you know, after they got through the big three era and things started to change, and then they were kind of bringing up the Henry Walkers of the world, there was a concerted effort to use the G League, or that I guess at the time was still the D League, in a different way. And Eric, if you remember, he changed his staff. And this is not to disparage Bob McAdoo or Ronnie Rothstein or anybody like that. 
but they went to more of a development staff. Chris Quinn, Juwan Howard was part of that, Dan Craig, Eric Glass. They went to more of a development staff. Eric got his coaches on there. And I think that has made a big difference in the development area. Again, it's not to disparage what the other people brought in terms of wisdom and guidance, particularly to Eric, who, who I think needed it at certain points of his, you know, his own development. But they changed sort of the, the approach of the organization and went to this. And when you have a head coach who's bought into development, how many head coaches are like that? Most head coaches are like, I don't, you know, I need players that can help me win now, right? I mean, think of, think of the courage I think it takes for a head coach to embrace that, but also think of the stability you need in an organization that a coach can do that, right? I, I just think that's, I think that's a really big deal, and I think it's sort of an overlooked part of this season. All right, we'll get to the Jimmy Butler stuff I've got for you right after the break, but first I want to tell you about another great sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that is Dutch Valley Farms. You've heard me talk about them quite a bit. What is Dutch Valley Farms? For starters, they're not your average cannabis grow farm. No, they've got deep roots in the 305. And this hometown group of doctors, CPAs, and Silicon Valley professionals have taken their talents from the 305 to the 503 to make you the finest flower out there. How does Miami find its way all the way out in Oregon? Simple, a team with a shared belief in cannabis research and erasing the stigma behind the bud. Today, the Dutch Valley Farms crew is bringing together old school growing practices with new school tech to deliver a consistently clean, high quality experience you can feel good about. The proof is in the plant. You want more information? Visit DutchVF.com. That's DutchVF.com. Or follow them on Instagram at Dutch Valley Farms. All right, before we get to this next part about Jimmy Butler, I want to play you a clip from practice. This was a couple days ago. I had been meaning to ask Jimmy Butler a question. Finally got the opportunity. Pretty simple. Why is he smiling so much? Seems like you've been smiling since you got here. back here with Alex Toledo and that clip got a little bit of attention <laughs> last I looked Alex it had 55,000 views on Twitter um, 2,500 likes and something like 800 retweets um, it's been a while since I put video out there that connected to such a degree with Heat fans who I think are already connecting to this team but the general reaction to that clip I mean was incredibly positive in the sense of this is what they wanted Jimmy to feel about the Heat so I'm going to get to a few nuggets here about Jimmy's situation with the Heat, but just your sort of, I, he wasn't great tonight offensively. He missed, he missed, you know, 80% of his shots, still ended up with 21. But just your thoughts on watching him in the locker room. And tonight you had a clip with him and Bam as well. Yep. Uh, pretty much every single game that I've worked here at the AAA, there's been some type of interaction in the locker room like tonight where they're just kind of poking at each other, Jimmy and Bam are. And it's been fun to watch, man. There's a lot of joking around going on in the locker room. Myers Leonard has something to do with that as well. He's always bringing the energy up. Goran has actually been doing a lot of that every time he's in the locker room with Jimmy or Bam. Like, they're all just kind of, like, 
very playful with each other. It's a very good mood in there. It's never sour. And every time that there's media happening, you have all the other guys talking to each other in the background. And you're absolutely right about that. The mood is tangible. I obviously don't have the experience to, you know, have the, a reference point with other Heat teams, which I'm sure you do, obviously. But it's definitely a tangible feeling that, that's, in, that's in there in the locker room. They're all very happy with each other. I think they all like each other, and it's obvious now. Well, let me give you a few things related to that as far as Jimmy goes, because I talked to somebody pretty close to him over the past couple of days. Uh, one thing is the player that he respects most in that room and has actually developed the closest bond with and he's taking the most cues from is, who would you guess? Goran? Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Um, from my understanding, like they've bonded over soccer <laughs> for the most part. Um, I've witnessed a little of this in the locker room, but Jimmy is kind of at the worship stage with Goran. Like, really, really, really admires him. Um, I think when we look back at that non-trade with Dallas, that's going to be one of those non-trades that goes down in heat history, I think, because I think Goran's going to end up finishing his career here. And and uh, whether they get it done with you know giving him a big balloon payment after this season and then giving him two years to kind of finish his career afterwards. You know, I've said all along, Grunts and his family want to stay here in Miami. They didn't want to be traded. Uh, but now the relationship that he's developed with Jimmy, I think, you know, makes that even clearer. Um, it's just a very natural bond that they have. And I think it also speaks to what Jimmy is looking for sometimes, which is he, he just, he wants teammates to relate to, and he wanted to follow an example down here. And I think in some ways, Goran kind of picked up Dwayne's example and now has sort of been part of that with Jimmy. So I thought that was, it's interesting that you guessed it. Um, there aren't that many veterans on the team, but I, I just, he has definitely bonded with Goran. And again, I think stereotypes and the like, you might not think so, but that, but that's the guy. Um, the other thing on Jimmy is he's enamored with Spolstra as well. Um, that's real. And, and I can tell you that there have been a lot of, and we know we've gone through the history of this, but there's been a lot of stars down here and others who have not always been enamored with Eric at all times. Um, uh, also, and old guys who got it along with coaches in other places. Cor- correct. Which makes this a big deal. Um, Especially very recently. I, I, exactly. And right, the, the Brett Brown situation was not great, right? And the Hoiberg so, situation. Uh, the Hoiberg situation was not great, <laughs> but this one, uh, this is real. Like this is not fake. Like a lot of players will talk, positive about the coach we all know that for LeBron it was a long process to get to respect Eric um first year it was like pulling teeth trying to get him to say something nice about him uh but you know but then over time it was basically I've always said I've always reported it was like halfway through the second season that LeBron that Eric basically went to LeBron and said are you gonna let me coach you um, and, and it, it turned at that point in a very positive direction. And we know kind of what happened with, with LeBron's efficiency here and everything else. But Has nobody else ever tried that strategy with LeBron? Has none of his other coaches ever thought to do that? Um, Go up to him and be like, Hey, what's up? You're gonna, you gonna let me coach you or. Well, I don't, I don't, again, I think this is what I talked about earlier where I think you have to have the support of the organization. If you don't have the support of the organization, you can't do that, right? Like, I mean, I think you know, Eric, Eric, look, Eric has told me and he's told others now that he thought he could have got fired three times. He thought he could have got fired uh, 2010 when they went out and got LeBron. They might have replaced him to get a higher prior profile coach or just pass the step in. Could have gotten fired at 9-8 and eight in, in that year and could have gotten fired after the 2011 finals went bad. Um, but they didn't fire him. 
And I think that gave Eric kind of the freedom again and the, and the, uh, you know, the authority to, to try to continue to try to coach LeBron until he broke through with him. And I, th- I don't think, you know, again, that was up and down. You know, Dwayne had up and down moments with, with Eric. I, I know where it ended in a really positive place. But, you know, look, I was, I was sitting on the baseline in Indiana uh, before, before Dwayne went to go visit Tom Crean during the 2012 finals. And Dwayne said some things to, to Eric that he probably wouldn't want to repeat it on this podcast. Um, so I, that was an up and down relationship at times. But but with Jimmy, it's been from the very start. Now, does it help that that Dwayne, by the end, felt very positively about Eric and could kind of share that with him? Yes. But I think Jimmy has kind of learned it on his own. I, I think that there's enormous respect for the fact that well, – I don't think. I know. There's enormous respect for the fact that Eric's only motive with Jimmy seems to be to try to bring out other parts of his game that maybe others have not appreciated. And what you and I talked about – talked to Eric about at – media day where Eric was basically saying, you know, his playmaking, I think that this, you know, and I asked Jimmy some questions about that, but they've created a game that's fun for Jimmy to play. And I think so the, the respect is immediate. Um, and so that starts there. I can also tell you, and again, this is all positive. There's nothing negative here. I know Philly fans are going to hate this, but, but Jimmy basically believes this is the best organization he's been in by a long shot. Okay. And that's, and that's top to bottom. That's that's from Andy Ellisberg and what they did to get him here, which is a story I'll tell someday. Um, and and you know it, hmm. to to every to 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 everything else that had to happen, uh, you know, for Jimmy to be in a uniform here, but also to put the right pieces around him. There just is I, I, I he's basically fallen in love with the place, and, and that's why I asked him the question. I didn't know all of this when I asked the question, but it is top to bottom. Uh, you know, he, he feels like this is where he wants to stay and that he should have been here all along. So, so uh, these are all good things. You know, these are all really good things. I mean, I, I haven't heard a negative word about anybody talking about Jimmy here or a negative word that about what Jimmy thinks of anybody here. And as you know, it's so obvious that he's bought in, in right? Minnesota, he's bought in completely, not the case in Minnesota, not the case in Philadelphia completely and not the case in Chicago, particularly towards the end. So. Just the fact that, like, you know, he's become this point forward. And I don't think it, it it's crazy to, to have come into the season expecting for him to, you know, not really turn it up until the second half, kind of like he has. But the fact that he's really turned into this point forward, first and foremost, especially with Justice out, and the fact that even when he does have the ball in his hands at the end of a possession, he's not always looking to score. He's always making the right pass. He's an even better playmaker than we thought. And he's bought into the ball movement system even more than I think anybody could have hoped for, right? Yeah, I, my only complaint, Alex, is that I think there have been possessions, particularly as he's close to the basket, that he's overpassing. I, 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 there, I happened a couple times tonight. I, I think sometimes he gets close to the rim. He's looking to make another pass. I would prefer he'd be a little more aggressive at those times. And something you identified tonight, which I've identified you know, on a tweet, and I have identified a few times with him, is he's so good – at, and use the word identify again, at identifying the defender on him and, and when to go into the post, when to go into the mid post, when to take a player to a certain place that that player is not comfortable being defensively, that I wish he would do more often. Uh, I mean, he, he has an IQ for the game. And, and we did a lot of podcasts on this where the writers who covered him said this. He has an IQ that is similar in some ways to Dwayne's because Dwayne yep. was, was historically good, right? Historically good at identifying a mismatch. I mean, incredibly good at it. That's what drove people crazy about LeBron because LeBron would have JJ Beret on him 
okay, or Boris Diaw on him, and right, and not punish that player like he should. Dwayne, if you put a defender on Dwayne that shouldn't be on Dwayne, he punishes defender. This guy punishes his defender. He just doesn't do it enough. I, I, I think he could do it more often because he's capable of it. So those are some things. I got some more stuff in my bag, but I, what I will just tell you, and we'll get him some future podcasts, but I will just tell you that, I mean, when you say that this is a perfect fit, like, you don't even understand. People around the NBA don't understand. Like, this is – I don't think this is going to sour. I really don't. I, th- there is the level of respect both ways right now. Um, I, you know, in my view, Eric Spolster has found his zone. Uh, in a lot of ways. I think he's found somebody who is perfect for the way he wants to coach, for the personality he wants his team to embody. It could not have gone better. I thought it would be great. I wrote it would be great. Dwayne said it would be great, which is what everybody should have listened to. But I didn't, I didn't think it'd be this great, to be honest. So anyway, we will get some more stuff later this week. Obviously, we've got the Chicago game coming up. Uh, and the big one in Philly, I'm going to have Tim Bontemps on from ESPN to talk about the Philly game because he covers the Sixers regularly make sure you check huge out game. Great sponsors. huge game huge game you get, you get, well they're nine and five now simmons hit a three so stop the presses but want to uh want to tell you about another great sponsor five reasons sports network seltzer mayberg law firm go to onecalllegal.com onecalllegal.com they handle immigration cases also handle traffic tickets personal injury and just about everything else they've got someone there 24 hours a day we share an office with them in north miami great people onecalllegal.com seltzer mayberg law firm talk to you soon Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.